Hello and welcome to another episode of the Try Lawyer Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Try Lawyer Podcast. I'm your host, Casey Arbenz, attorney at law, five-time Ironman as of last Sunday, father of two, husband of one, and uh, recent Kona qualifier for the second time following my race in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, June 27th, last Sunday. And man, I am riding high, and it is totally awesome. And uh, I did my last podcast the night before, Saturday night before the big dance. It was titled, The Hay is in the Barn. It was entitled, The Hay is in the Barn. Is that the way you say it? And the hay was in the barn, baby. Um, temperatures were, were, were hot. I'm told it was 133 degrees on the surface, whatever that means. I assume the blacktop. To us lay persons, it was about 100 degrees or 101 degrees um, at the high point of the day. And there was a 27% uh, did not finish rate, which is more than five times the Ironman average of 5%. So five times as many people could not finish that Ironman versus the average Ironman. And they were dropping like flies out there. Um, it was tough to watch, but um, I made it and I am gonna talk about it here. <laughs> so uh, I just got a funny voicemail from my buddy Aaron, I'll just say his name, Aaron Ashley, uh, who I grew up with, who was a swimmer and a water polo player um, and one of my best friends and he, was kind of a soft kid growing up, uh, but obviously a good athlete, and then went to play water polo our freshman year in high school. And then he began swimming, and he turned into a true Adonis. Uh, had a great build, great body, great shoulders, back, chest, abs, the whole deal. If I must, if I might say, he looked great in a Speedo. Um, and then he let himself go after high school. <laughs> so Aaron just left me a very funny voicemail saying that he loves the podcast uh, and he particularly appreciates how every sentence begins with I or me and something about my great life and uh, podcast and success and family and training and physique now. So uh, this one's for you, Aaron. Um, but I'm feeling pretty inspired by that. That's pretty funny. So yeah, so uh, man, let's just talk about Ironman Coeur d'Alene and the fact that I'm going back to Kona, baby, and I am just pumped. So in training for this race, as I talked about in the last podcast, I used the Matt Fitzgerald book, 80-20 Triathlon. And I mapped it out. I did the phase three, like the highest level Ironman training, specifically, you know, for someone who wants to to uh, have a great day out there and and compete at the highest level and have a chance to go to Kona. And so I followed it pretty meticulously. There were 
if I, if I were to have cheated anywhere, it was on like a lot of the, a number of Wednesday training sessions where it was like a two hour zone one ride. And I think for those of you who know, zone one is like the lowest heart rate type workout you would do. For me, it's like 100 to 120 beats per minute. So it's as easy as I can really go uh, without, you know, not working out. And then there's zone two, which is kind of where you spend most of your time. And that's between like say 120 and 143 or so. One, kind of depends. Technically it's 138 for me, but because of I've been training for so long now, I think I'm about 143 and that's my threshold. And then zone three is like 143 to 155, 155 to 165, 166 is zone four. And then anything above that is basically as hard as I can go for you know 30 seconds to a minute. Zone five is like a sprint. And so I followed that book and I cheated a little on some of the zone one stuff just because I didn't ran out of time to, to sit on the bike and barely spin for two hours. And I don't think that was a huge deal, but I, always, I tried to get in all the key sessions. Um, didn't really follow the swim workouts, which I probably should have, frankly, uh, but I very much followed the run and bike workouts. And I had a lot of volume and a lot of hard work uh, for several months. I mean, I basically trained throughout the whole pandemic, but I didn't really start training until say December of last year, 2020. Although I was training for what I thought was going to be the half Ironman in Oceanside in the end of March. Once that was canceled, I think that's when I entered Ironman Coeur d'Alene. I had to do it through the foundation and pay extra, but I got into the race and then probably about, you know, say, mid early March, I, I started that, that Ironman plan. So I had several good months, a lot of hay in the barn and, uh, showed up to race day feeling confident. You know, you're always, I always second guess things, you know, and I talked about that in the last podcast, but I, I just showed up with, uh, with just reminding myself, look, you know, you've been training really hard. You're good at this stuff. You can do it. And had my new Maverick, X uh, Roka wetsuit and got off to the swim and uh, you know it was it was a good swim I can't complain I never felt epoxic or you know out of breath I went steady I thought I went pretty hard and the first lap I never broke I never broke uh, my stroke one time didn't do a single breaststroke or backstroke or anything like that I mean I was freestyle the whole way totally steady, didn't have any real collisions. I got one, one guy kind of elbowed me, jarred me a little bit. But other than that, um, I was hoping for about a, I mean, I was like grossly optimistically hoping for like a 106 swim. I would have been really cool with a 108 swim. And so I finished the first lap and you actually came out of the water for like 10 seconds or five seconds. And I looked at my watch, it was 3408. And so I was like, oh, that's not bad. And I figured I could pick it up a little on the second lap. And I don't know what happened, but I ended up doing a 110 swim and so i must have gone a little wide which i know i did a little to dodge some swimmers i did feel a little bit like the last say three or four hundred i i took it down a little just because i was wanting to think about okay you know here's what you got to do when you get off or out of the swim get onto the bike you know nutri nutrition to take salt to take um i was taking these alt red pills I was taking salt, uh, had some specific bottles of, of stuff, and I can talk about that, you know, the nutrition side of things at a later date. But anyway, I slowed down a little. So I, I came out of the water in an hour and 10, 
and jumped on my new bike, my new tri-rig Omni, and baby, that thing flew. I mean, it was, from the first, from get-go, I felt powerful, I felt strong, I felt fast, and I wasn't even pushing that hard, and I was going fast. It was, I had a disc wheel on, I felt like it was a tailwind both ways. The hills were hard, but I felt great. I didn't feel hot. Now, admittedly, the race started at 5.30, I probably went out at 5.40, I was on the bike by say seven or even a little before seven. So, you know, it was gonna be cool anyway, cooler. And so it was funny, I I never felt hot on the bike until I was on the second lap, more than halfway through the second lap. And I dumped a bottle on myself just thinking I should and kind of threw it all over my chest and my head and face and then down on my legs and stuff, and my arms. And I was like, oh, that feels good. So I clearly was 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 starting to overheat a little, but I didn't. I hadn't really noticed it, and um, so I had I had I just had a great bike. Like I just felt I just felt good the whole way. Uh, I took three Advil at the start, which I always do, and took three more about mile seventy, which I tend to do just for the neck and you know sort of the discomfort associated with being in those aero bars for as long. But the course had some great hills. My watch said 5,000 feet of climbing, maybe 5,100. I haven't looked at my Garmin computer yet, actually. I've been meaning to, because I, I wanna look at that. I wanna look at my watts, um, which I haven't done yet, because it's been a whirlwind since I've been back. But um, road great, road uh, way faster than I expected. I was expecting about 525 to 530, and I came in at 518 and uh, put myself in great position and um, just, just, just felt great. And so it was probably done right around you know noonish, and put on my you know my Alpha Fly uh, Nikes and all my gear, and drink a bottle of Coke, which is a routine I always do at T two, uh, you know flat Coca Cola in a bottle, and uh, took some salt, and went out on the run, and um, pretty much felt great from the beginning. Uh, running, I ran like an eight oh six to start. And I told myself to slow down. I haven't, I've been taught to try to make your first two miles your slowest, especially in a half, but even in a full. Uh, I'm not sure it's really doable in a full. I mean, I'd love to run reverse splits on a full marathon, but I've never been able to feel that good the last six or seven, you know, five, six, seven miles. So I took off on the run, was going a little, little fast, slowed down to like 820 on mile two, and then, you know, just just cruised and, and was cooking. And uh, it was a three lap course, so three almost nine mile loops. And uh, came in on the first loop, saw my family. I knew I was feeling great. Um, got to the 13th mile, got to the halfway point, still feeling great. And then, damn it, I had my first uh, snake bite leg cramp in my um, hamstring. And so I knew, shoot, I got 13 miles to go. This is, this is gonna be rough. I think I ran about a 145, you know, the half half marathon. So I was I was in good shape, but then I knew I was in trouble, and it was it was really starting to cook, and I was throwing ice in my my bib thing. There was a ton of the race support and the fans and the volunteers was unreal, um, but it became a struggle. I mean, it really did, and um, that's I got you know, it was just a deal with your cramps. I was pounding everything I could drink and eat. And um, I'm, I, don't, I don't think I overdid it, but I and I was taking salt and that was helping. And uh, you know, it was funny because if I didn't have the cramps, 
I would, I would have, I would have run a, I think I would have run a, like a 340 marathon, which would have been a PR for me. Um, even, even without an Ironman, just a straight iron, uh, marathon. Cause my legs never, I never felt too tired. Like I never felt like I often do in a race, even in half Ironman where you're just, you're toast or you're too tired or you just got, you want to walk. Like I never felt like I wanted to walk. I felt like I had to walk cause I was going to fall over. Um, at about mile 22, I was cramping pretty bad. I could sense the finish line. I was still being, it was still pumping out miles in the nines, uh, even with the water stops and the bathroom. You know, I stopped a couple times for the bathroom. I stopped to get ice every time. So I was probably running at like a lot of the race at like, uh, you know, an eight minute or even less than eight minute pace, but you had to stop through every aid station and walk through it and get all the stuff to keep you cool. But I made a very poor choice on a downhill section, the last real downhill section at Coeur d'Alene, um, to just keep running and not stop at an aid station just because I had some momentum and I wasn't cramping. And holy crap, if that wasn't a terrible move because I I went, I got like heat stroke. I just I started getting dizzy. I started running sideways. I, I was totally messed up and um, thankfully made it to the next aid station and like regrouped and I, it hadn't gotten away from me yet. Um, and I was able to uh, take down some Red Bull and some Coke and some water and some ice and get my ice set up back in my thing, but it was completely melted. Like if you didn't get ice at every aid station, it would be completely gone. And my heart rate, it was amazing how fast it would spike if I didn't stay cool. And so anyway, um, made it to the last mile and ran an 846, my 26th mile. And um, that was totally awesome. Ended up with like a 356 marathon with with a lot of walking and a lot of cramps. So I was running really well and uh, came in at 10.33, which is my second best Ironman time ever. Uh, I did 10.22 in Arizona, which is just a much easier course. And, you know, it's in November. It's not hot. It's a flatter course, the, only a couple thousand feet on the bike versus five or six on the Coeur d'Alene course. You know, no heat, uh, no wind, just, just, a different, just a different course. And so I was really, really proud of that. Um, I beat my previous uh, Kona qualifying time at Ironman um, Whistler, Canada, in of ten forty eight, and my Kona time of ten fifty two. I, I ten thirty three. That was really in the range of where I want to be as as an Ironman athlete, and um, really just put myself in a great spot. Ended up in fourteenth place. I knew that there was going to be a lot of Kona. Uh, slots this time around and and realistically this might be uh could you know very well could be the last real chance i have to go to kona as a qualifier and so i really wanted to have a great race and frankly glad i made it and made it to the finish line and um i could have been 20 minutes slower and still got a kona slot but i wouldn't have wanted to be this was a race that gave me a ton of confidence and um saw my family on all three loops they were waiting for me at the finish line, and man, I was a hot mess when I got done. And it's weird. I'm here. It is. It's Friday. Um, I, I haven't had a chance. I came back to a firestorm in my office of, of <laughs> discontent, and I've uh, been dealing with that all week. Uh, I was hoping to come to return to a triumphant, or have a triumphant return to my office after a great weekend of Ironman, and uh, hasn't quite materialized. And that's not to say anything bad about anybody. Just you know, sometimes things get away from you. And I've got a lot of work to do, but I came back and um, 
I here I am on Friday, and I'm still weirdly kind of numb in my ends of my right uh, pinky and, and ring finger, and then a couple of my toes. Um, and I don't quite can't quite put my finger on what that's from, but it hasn't been since, it's been since the race. So I'm hopeful that that's going to kind of wear away. I, I couldn't get out of bed. I, I thought like on Wednesday I ought to work out, do something, just because I'm so used to work at doing something, and uh, couldn't get out of bed. Could hardly walk for the first few days. Just kept telling myself, dude, you put you left it all out there, man. You really did, and I and I really did. I dug deeper than I've ever dug, and I've said that before in other races, and I, but I can say unequivocally that I dug deeper than I've ever dug in anything, um, those last say six miles out there. And, um, I was able to finally get out and swim this morning, uh, with my buddies at the Y and it was really fun actually to swim. It felt great. And I didn't go very far. I went 1400 or so, but, um, just glad to get back out there and I'm going back to Kona, baby. It's, uh, going to be awesome. October 9th. And I cannot wait and I will talk more about it, obviously, and it's great because it gives me so much more fodder for this podcast and more things to talk about and, and get excited about. And uh, we're having trouble finding a place, and my mom and my dad and his wife and my brother and his wife, Jenny, and uh, my wife, of course, and Annie uh, and my kids, they all want to come. So I, I'm, I'm pumped to have the Arbenz crew there and have a great week and uh, pressure's off a little because I've done it before. Pressure's on, of course, because I want to do better and there's a whole bunch of people there that I think I could, you know, compete with because uh, there's going to be a lot of folks kind of in my range and that, you know, sub 11, you know, over 10 sub 11 range that I tend to fall into who are now qualifying for Kona this year who will be there. So I, I'd love to, I'd love to go out there and, and have a great race. So uh, anyway, um, just absolutely pumped to be going back to Kona and, and, and uh, you know, to see that hard work and the training and the planning pay off and uh, to be able to make it back. So if you, you know, if you ever uh, doubt yourself and don't think you can make it or you can't accomplish more or you can't get faster, you know, I'm 43 years old and I'm still getting faster. I'm running faster. I'm cycling faster. I'm swimming better. I, you can do, you can do more. You truly can. So until next time, another episode of the Trial Lawyer Podcast. This has been, and it's been absolutely excellent. It is July 2nd, and so I want everybody to have a great long weekend, a great 4th of July for those of you here in the States. I know we have a lot of international listeners, and so I wish you all a great weekend as well. And this has been another episode, and I am signing off. And everybody, uh, till next time.